Welcome to the Global Marketing Show, the podcast for all things international business. I'm your host, Wendy Pease, president of Rapport International and a translation expert. Come along with me today as we talk to an expert in the global marketing world about facing their biggest fears, hearing about mistakes they made or saw, discussing best practices, and sharing fun travel language and culture stories. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Marketing Show. I'm your host, Wendy Pease, and I'm very excited today because uh, our guest has lived all over the world, so we'll hear more about that in a minute. If you enjoy this episode or one of the other from the Global Marketing Podcast, please go ahead and send it on to somebody else. We're all over the world now, and I just learned that one of the prior guests um, got a new job offer because he was heard on the podcast. So this, the, the guests here are fantastic. They share really good information. I am so honored to be able to just sit and ask them questions to my heart's delight and learn about them. Uh, so share away, particularly if it's an episode you like. So today we welcome Lauren Call who got his start in global business very, very early on, and he's lived all over the world. So, Lauren, welcome. Well, thank you, Wendy. I appreciate it, and, and thank you for inviting me. I look forward to our, to our chat today. Yeah, yes, I am too, because you've got so many awesome stories. Uh, let's start out with what countries have you lived in? Sure. Well, I was very fortunate from this from when I was born. Actually, my dad was a Sears Roebuck uh, multinational executive. As you know, Sears was the Amazon of the of the twenties to to about the seventies, maybe. But then it's you know it faded away as some other major American companies have. But oh, the Sears catalog that yeah. used to be the thing that people right. leave through for their Christmas presents. Exactly. I love how you compare it to Amazon. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, anyway, so he uh, helped start Sears overseas. Uh, he was one of the executives to start their operations in South America, Central America, and Europe. So we, you know, we kind of were army, like they say, military brats moving every couple of years from one country to another. And, uh, you know, we had to adjust all the time. And, and naturally, I was fortunate that, you know, he gave me the opportunity to learn four languages overseas and, and you know, learn about the cultures of both uh, Latin cultures and European cultures, as well as uh, the U American culture. So okay, very fortunate. So you were born in Caracas, Venezuela? Yeah, yeah, my mom and dad met there. I'm a street dog, right? I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm half Italian, half American, and my grandfather was German. Anyway, a little bit of everything. So, uh, but yeah, born there because that's where they met. My mother was was visiting her sister, and they fell in love in Caracas. And then uh, from you know from there on, I, we moved on. But uh, had the opportunity to live in, in Venezuela, Argentina, uh, Panama, Nicaragua. Uh, Costa Rica, and then we moved to Europe, uh, Belgium, Italy, and Spain, because uh, Sears had operations as well after, you know, my dad was transferred there. So, uh, and then came back to the States after my dad, uh, in his last years of Sears, naturally the Sears headquarters is in Chicago. So that's where he retired uh, in that, uh, uh, in, in Chicago. So, uh, so where... Like what elementary schools in South America and then mm -hmm. high school in Europe, I'm guessing from the 
Yeah, all of them. All of them were American schools. Uh, you know, naturally, there are a lot of them were run by the Department of Defense (DoD), as they mentioned. But uh, some of the some of the uh, elementary and and uh, middle schools and high schools were all of them were American. Uh, uh, by mostly uh, run by uh, you know other Department of Defense or and or the uh, the American uh, under the American High School. Uh, you know, uh, association, whatever it is, but uh, so yeah, we we uh, educated in um, uh, with American uh, curriculums, and but also forced to learn the local language of that country too when we were there, because they normally taught that language where you were, right? So yeah, that was part of the requirement. So all your education was done in English. Mm -hmm. But then you also, you said you spoke four languages. So you have Spanish. French, Portuguese, uh, Italian. and uh, Well, I, I learned Portuguese in, when I worked for, in my career uh, in Brazil for uh, 10 years. But this was later in my career. But uh, the French, Spanish, Italian, and English were the, the primary languages that I learned. Uh, Belgium, the French, the Italian, Italy. Uh, the Spanish, National Latin American, Spain, and then the English with the high schools and junior highs and everything else. So. so it's real interesting. When we have a translator apply to work with us, a translator or an interpreter, we're always looking for their two strongest languages because we know they're native in one, and then their second language is where they've gotten bilingual. But you've had exposure from young on to for languages like what's your strongest language and then your second strongest or do you feel mm -hmm. equally competent across them um, that's a good question you know with my uh last uh, say 20 or 30 years of my career i used my uh, spanish and portuguese quite a bit uh, because i wasn't involved with latin america uh, the french i picked up uh you know in belgium and then i also majored in french in college because i wanted to continue and strengthen that language and uh, my Italian because of my mother's uh, family and, and uh, visiting their, uh, we visited uh, my family in Rome, uh, you know, in the summers and, and I continue to, because I love the language and, you know, it's just a, a love of, of the language and, and, and uh, but I would say my strongest uh, to rate it, <laughs> English first, probably Spanish, and then I would say Italian. And then the uh, the, Portuguese, the Portuguese and Italian similar, and then the French last because I'm I don't use French that much as I used to in the past. So, uh, but you know, it's it's like everything else. You have to use it. If you if you don't use it, you lose it, right? Right. So. Oh yeah, I've definitely seen that with my languages because I'm doing mostly English talking now, even though I run the translation company. Yeah. Okay. So so that's interesting. So you definitely do you dream in any okay. other language. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah? Yeah, sometimes I do. Yeah, it's just, you know, uh, especially when you're overseas and you're thinking the language all the time, then you really, you know, you start getting involved more with the language. But yeah, do you? I mean, I noticed you've learned Spanish uh, in your LinkedIn, but I don't, do you, do you know any other languages or? Um, I know some, well, I went to have um, English, half Spanish school in first and second grade when we lived in Mexico City. Mm. So I learned, you know, in school there. And then I came back and took it all through high school and college. Um, but I've never lived there as an adult. And so it's gotten rusty. But if I traveled to a Spanish speaking country, you know, I could, I could, I could hang around a dinner table and do some talking. I wouldn't do business in it. 
Um, yeah. And then French, I took through high school and college, just, you know, love the language. And then I learned Italian because when I went over to Europe, everybody said, you'll love Italy. I said, I speak Spanish and French. Uh, you know, I'm going to love those countries more. Love those countries, but then fell in love with Italy. I went back to learn Italian, but it messed up with my Spanish and French. So I kind of had to push that down to keep the others more current but you know it's i'm not using them enough right now we need to get back on the planes and travel <laughs> yeah hopefully, hopefully i have dreamt one. in spanish before and they say you, you hit a certain level of competency when you when you dream in it mm -hmm. so uh have no, you dreamt in all it sounds like you've dreamt in all the languages yeah, i think I, I would i would say yeah you know it's just uh, is it, yeah because i naturally i've lived over there and you i was very immersed and uh, yeah so I would say that, yeah, absolutely. Yes, uh, okay. So tell us about what you're doing now. Well, I've been, I have two, two businesses, so to speak, to pay the bills. Uh, one is I represent an Italian company out of uh, Modena, Italy, where a lot of your well-known uh, high-end high cars are made, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati, et cetera. But anyway, they, um, the company I, I represent is, uh, makes uh, conveyors, industrial conveyors for production of uh, various types of uh, industries, uh, beverage, food, uh, uh, pharmaceuticals, et cetera. And that's just like a manufacturer's rep here, an importer's manufacturer's rep, and I get paid on a commission and, you know, and sell whatever I can uh, when the opportunity arises here in the U.S. And then I also do import-export consulting because of my, um, I had uh, what, uh, almost in 2022, I'll have 40, 40 years, four decades uh, involved in the import-export field. So that's also kind of a, a you know, uh, through those experiences, I've gained a lot of knowledge and war stories and, and uh, you know, it's, um, it's, it, it, it's a up and down business, you know, because as you know, consulting projects come and go and. So it's uh, very erratic, but, but it's an interesting uh, uh, opportunity to learn about other companies and, and also to help grow up small businesses, whether they want to import or export. Um, so what kind of companies should reach out to you? Like, what would you specialize in the import-export? What, what are your strongest benefits uh, you can offer? Well, the, the, the ones that normally uh, that I, I've been helping out or, or small, you know, small size companies from, from maybe five to, you know, 7,500 individuals uh, between, you know, maybe a 3 million to, to uh, you know, $50 million company, so to speak. That's the sweet spot. Sweet spot for me. I mean, naturally, as you get as they get bigger, then you know they they have more means of of uh, investing overseas in offices and things of that nature. Uh, generally, you know what uh, the the key thing is 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 to have a product or a service that's exportable or importable. Naturally, yet you know you have to you have to do your homework on uh, whatever the product is and and what's what markets are. Uh, that you want to sell to you always want to start small maybe pick three and then do it well and then you know grow and and, and add, add those countries to your to your business um, but it, there's a lot you know there's a lot of things that you have to do internationally versus domestic uh, you know the uh, the banking the, the way you, you get paid is different uh, nationally you have shipping involved with various parties you have not only uh, you know the trucks and rail, but you also have uh, uh, ocean or, or uh, 
air carrier and uh you know it's a lot more complicated there's a lot more more parts moving parts in the in an import or export transaction you need to know about uh and there's also selecting you know whether you want to have a distributor or you want to go through through a representative or you want to go through the government or you know there's different channels of marketing as you know or, or selling uh, uh, like your, your book, Global Marketing. I mean, I'm gonna have to pick it up one of these days, but I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you mentioned about, you know, marketing the product and what's, you know, learning about the culture and, and whether the, you know, the, that product fits that culture and, and makes make sure that it's uh, adaptable to that culture, right? So. Yes, yes, yes. There's a, a ton on that. But let's, there was a ton in there. So let's break this down. So first you said the company has to have a product or service that you could import or export. What's the most unusual product or service that you've seen that really focused on exporting? And the reason I asked that is because um, I've gotten feedback. I'm, I'm talking, so you have to a minute to think about that. <laughs> But um, when I've had some marketing agencies read my book about global marketing, because there's really no other business how-to book out there about it, they've come back and they said, huh, I never thought about that I could be a global company. And so to me, it's breaking down the barriers. Like I, I know that, um, you know, if you have a local dry cleaner, that's hard to bring in international business unless you want to expand it and, you know, be international. Right. You know, it's heavy asset, it's locally based, and people are dropping by or getting picked up. So anyway, I'll take it back to you. What What's the most unusual company think, you've seen with importer export? Very interesting question. I mean, oh, wow. Uh, right now, I just, just try, I was been trying to think of some of my experiences, but most of them have been commodities, industrial products. Um, ah, boy, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's just, um, yeah, let me think about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I caught you off guard on that one. I thought it was a, 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 you know, the reason I ask it is just so many companies think, oh, well, you know, why would I go international or there's not really a need for, uh, for my products or services. But I've heard of like wind gauges and I've heard of consumer products that are very, you know, mm -hmm. if you're talking about cranberries or you're talking about, um, you know, maple sugar products or, um, you know, even potatoes go international from the U.S. And, you know, you think, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of curious of what kind of industry. Yeah, you know, but for example, like, uh, you know, chicken feet in China. I mean, they love that kind of stuff. Offals, you know, stomachs and linings and things of that nature that we don't eat. Uh, uh, people in Italy eat and in other countries, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I understand, but I'm trying to really think of some something. So very that's unusual. really interesting. So parts of the chicken that we don't eat here, we can ship to China because they eat yeah. them there. Chicken feet, necks, you name it. I mean, oh, you know, right. yeah, yeah. There's just there's, um, there's a lot of weird type of <laughs> parts of of animals that uh, you know we don't you know we don't touch, but other countries would love to. You know, they enjoy eating it. I remember living in Taiwan when I was a kid and the uh, children that lived next door were um, Chinese and we went out to dinner and they were fighting over who got to eat the fish eyes. And we were kind of like, really? <laughs> 
<laughs> so right, so it's a good good message to the listeners. Think about what products that you might be throwing away that you could repurpose and sell to someplace else in the country that has a value for it. Absolutely, yeah. that's a perfect that's right. example. Yeah, there's even you know when I used to uh, I, I worked uh, I helped a textile company, uh, you know the. the they dealt with waste, but some of the waste that they used to, you know, the, the yarn waste and cotton waste and uh, synthetic type of uh, re residue or waste that was involved in textiles, some of the, in the U.S. they wouldn't use it, but, you know, in other countries, they re remelt it and, and do other things with it. So, you know, there's always, you never know what, if you have, to, like you mentioned, if you have a, some residue or waste or some kind of byproduct, uh, it might have another market somewhere else in the world, you know, so. It is so true. In an earlier episode, I talked with Joe Nacido, who's in charge of international marketing for Darn Tough Socks. And then not long after I had the interview with him, I was up with a bunch of business owners in uh, Vermont where their factory is and he gave us a tour and he showed us the waste and like, Barely anything goes to waste there mm -hmm. because it's just sent off to someplace else who's, right. you know, where they're using it. But, I, you know, darn tough socks are really impressive. So if you haven't tried them out, <laughs> definitely do. They're, they're impressive. Okay, so most import-export, first you have to decide. Then you said um, you don't have to start with all the markets. Maybe pick three, which is really right. interesting because oftentimes I say pick one for translation, figure out your process, and then replicate it. But I'm curious as to why, and three is an interesting number, too, to do because you can leverage. So I'm curious about why you said three and how would you go about picking those three? Yeah, well, you, naturally you have to, depending on the product, uh, you know, you do your research on, uh, you can, there's a lot of ways of getting data from the government uh, since, you know, the, the international data from, from the governments and different governments too overseas. Uh, and then uh, what you, well, I picked three because maybe you want to do one country in Asia, one in Europe, and one in Latin America, for example, and then see how they all, you know, how that, that goes. Um, but the important thing is to really, you know, do your research on, on the product. Uh, say, for example, um, I don't know, you're selling high-end bourbon, okay? And then so you, you do your look at, there's various, uh, uh, companies that provide stats on bourbon exports or volume of, of you know, whatever the, the different types of bourbons, uh, journal of commerce, uh, uh, tr trade, trade stats. So there's various, various types. There's, I can, you know, I have a whole thing of, I can provide you a list of, of information of different things of uh, uh, organizations that provide da trade data. Uh, so I, from there, then you, okay, I see that, you know, Japan uses high-end, you know, as a big importer of, of bourbon, and then uh, maybe uh, Germany and Europe, and then maybe possibly Brazil or Mexico, because those are the biggest countries, you know, that uh, in Latin America that have the population and also the, the wealth to, to buy high-end products. Uh, and then, you know, you go from there, and actually, you, you, then you tailor the, the You've got to do the labeling and the packaging for that country and the translation, like, you know, you reach out to Report International. So if you want to get everything done in German or in, in Japanese or Portuguese, Report International, right? Don't forget. <laughs> I love it. You talked about my book and the company now. 
<laughs> well, you know, I, I so thank you. you. Know. <laughs> but anyway, so you you know, make sure that all that is done, the packaging and the and the, and the pricing. Naturally, you have to go through, find out all the different, the steps that go in the import export transaction, and, and, and make sure you keep uh, keep in mind all the different costs, and make sure you cover all your costs plus the profit and all that. Uh, what else? Uh, you know, the marketing. Do you want to put it online? Do you want to sell it directly to a distributor? Yeah, that's a, you know, those are, those are choices, a channel of market that you want to use, uh, the go-to, you know, how you're going to go to in the market. Um, uh, and then, you know, give it a try and, and you learn, you learn and, and, and then you uh, redo or re, what do you call it? Uh, you know, the, the Japanese Kaizen, right? The continuous improvement and trying to, re, re, you know, learn as you go, right? And, and redo and, and replan uh, as you, uh, as you grow. Okay, so it's not as easy as just saying, all right, I'm going to go to Italy, Venezuela, and Brazil, go forward. You're, you're doing research on all the different markets and yeah. seeing which ones bubble up to, to the top. Yeah, well, that, absolutely. Yeah, because that'll save you a lot of time. And also, you may start in, in countries that you know, may not have a lot of interest in the product. And, and, then you, and then you fail and say, oh, man, I don't want to import or export anymore. That's, it's not working. So it, 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 uh, it, it's uh, recommend, rec recommended that you do your research first and, and you know, really see where, what's best for your product or service overseas or if you're importing here in the U.S., you know, what kind of product and where do you want to start in the Southeast? Do you want to start in, in the Northeast? Uh, is this something that, you know, that's weather that might be sensitive to the weather or, or so, you know, whatever. There's a lot of questions that you got to think about and uh, re regarding to the market and, and, and its factors, right? So, so how, how, if you're a business owner or a global, you know, strategy person, where do you start? Uh, well, there's various ways. Naturally, you have you know, the government, the U.S. government can help. There's a department, International Department of Commerce that helps with, uh, that have people that specialize in, in um, uh, international trade. You know, they can help out. Uh, the SBA has uh, offices that also have international um, people that help, uh, that have uh, trade expertise. You know, uh, international consultants such as myself. Uh, you can also use, uh, um, you know, the uh, governments overseas, the, um, the, whether it's the foreign government or, and also the U.S. government. For example, the Ag Department of Agriculture has various offices overseas. Uh, you know, the embassies, you can use the embassies. There are people that know, uh, that have contacts with companies and, and, and markets and know what's going on in the country, naturally. Um, there's very many sources. Uh, you can also... When you uh, start importing or exporting, you want to build a team of, of an ecosystem to survive, to help you build your business. And that's, you know, whether it's a freight forwarder for exporting or a custom house broker, you also want to have a, a select a, a, a banking, a banker, you know, some kind of banker that knows about trade finance. Uh, you also want to uh, uh, get uh, help from a carrier, whether it's an air, airline or, or an ocean carrier. Um, uh, there's also the port people can help you, the port of Savannah or the port of Boston. They have people that can also help uh, give you some advice and, and strategies, et cetera. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of parties that can, can give you a lot of advice and help and direction in your business, but you have to use them and make, and you have to choose, 
uh, also, you know, what, you know, you've got to have a, an ecosystem of, of, of uh, people that will support, help you support your business. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned the Department of Commerce. They're a, they're a wonderful resource because a lot of the consulting or the advising they do is for free. Mm-hmm. And they have connections all over the world. They've got, they've got employees all over the world that can help. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, you know, the consulates, uh, even the foreign consulates can help you. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, associations, like if you're involved in a steel association, maybe they could help give you uh, also some some guidance. Uh, universities have sometimes can be, professors can help you with uh, to specialize in, in certain countries or languages or things of that nature. Inspection firms, you know, when when your car gets inspected, they can also be of help. Um, there's just a lot of various uh, channels that you can find information. Uh, yeah, that's so interesting because you were talking with like the DOC and the SBA and, um, you know, governments, embassies, associations, and then you got into, you know, so they're kind of the, the government NGO nonprofit. And then there are um, people who are in the industry providing services like us with translation, you with consulting. And we all have tremendous networks because the global network is small about who the providers are and, and where to go. So I hadn't thought about that as even finding one vendor that you, you trust and then mm-hmm. tapping into their network. So that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. You have translators, you know, you're, maybe you're, even your translators, you can give other, maybe other leads and, customers for you as well. I mean, it's just, you know, you got to find different, different ways of getting information from different sources, right? So. Right. And have you heard of Softland Partners? Yeah, yeah. I'm a member of Softland. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's how we met, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I kept bubbling up, bubbling up. Yeah. They're just yeah. coming out with a, um, yeah. So we're both members and it's an organization of uh, global service providers that help companies expand internationally. And the Softland Partners is releasing in the next week a checklist, like a export readiness checklist. So that'll be a handy resource. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if you're a, a, a small company that wants to learn more about, like you said, getting going overseas and, and um, building their business, that Softland is a good a uh, good way to learn from other folks as well from, you know, resources to tap into. So uh, yes. like you mentioned, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's a good point. Thank yes. you for mentioning that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you listed off a, a bunch of resources that are helpful. Okay. So if we go back, so first it was a product or service that you can import or export, and then it was pick your markets. Then you got into banking and how are you going to get paid? What do you advise people on on that area? I know we're kind of getting off the the marketing area. Well, that's but, um, one thing is is to, that's a big worry for a lot of importers and exporters getting paid. You know, you want to make sure that uh, that it's secure. Your your form of payment is secure, whether it's a letter of credit. There's various tools that you can, or uh, different. Um, things that you, you know, uh, methods of getting paid, uh, um, site drafts and letter of credits. And I mean, there's, uh, there's a quite a bit of different types of, and there, and each one has its, uh, its uh, risk level, right? Uh, letter credit being the most least uh, risk averse and, and then uh, open credit. Like if you sell somebody and say, okay, you pay me in 30 days, 
uh, you, know, with, you just hope that they pay in 30 days, you know. Yeah. But, so you have to be very care, careful, especially when you first start, because you want to get a history of, of your clients to make sure that they're paying on time. And, and maybe after a year, you can say, okay, now that, you know, I've got a, you've been a very good customer, you've paid, you've been a good payer. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you a, a little bit, a little more leeway on, on my, on your terms or whatever your payment terms. So you can give them a less riskier uh, vehicle to pay. And how do people uh, pay? Do they, are they paying in American dollars mostly or how do you well, balance the currency depends. exchange? You could, you could have them paying euros or dollars, uh, but most of the time is naturally for American companies is done in dollars, but uh but you know you can you can do uh, forward contracts and, and currencies. Uh, that's another topic, you know, of, of getting paid. Uh, also, you, you know, if you want to get paid in credit card or wire transfer or SWIFT, um, there's other you know forms of payment. Now you have Bitcoin, and if you want to get paid in Bitcoin, uh, you know, there's just uh, there's, there's a growing number of of, of of ways of getting paid. But the the important thing is to you know again do your research on the customer get a DMB or whatever you can get, whatever you can get your, your hands on, on, on their credit history, if you can. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and then start with the, the, the least uh, risk, uh, the most riskiest, no, it's going to be the least riskiest vehicle to get paid. And that would be a letter of credit or, or cash, cash in advance before you ship anything, things of that nature. Right. 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 Yeah. And it's interesting because I also see PayPal being used a lot internationally and then they have an affiliate, you know, or subsidiary of PayPal, which is zero, I think it is, where you can pay somebody to their bank in American dollars. And so there's all, you know, and I've heard of, of other ones that have, um, I was seeing if I could find the names of them of, you know, that their fees are supposed to be less. So there's so many ways to get paid mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah. Yeah. I got a ton more questions off of, you know, off of those of what you were talking about, but I want to, you to talk about biggest mistakes mm -hmm. that you've seen uh, companies do. Well, you know, for one is uh, sometimes like, um, you know, with your marketing, for example, uh, uh, is, is naming a product that might offend their culture or they might, uh, um, you know, they might, um, they might, make an impact on their, on their, on the sale of their, of their, of the, of the product. For example, um, I think it was Chevy or GM, they called, they put a name of a, a car called Nova, N-O-V-A. <laughs> in English, it's okay. Nova's fine. But when you, when you translate Nova in Spanish, it means it doesn't go. It doesn't <laughs> run. Nova, right? So it, it uh, you know, it, was a, it wasn't a very good uh, marketing uh, choice to put that, that kind of name in a car. Uh, that's, a, that's just an example. You have to be careful of how you, what you name the, the product or the service or whatever. Yeah. You know, people may take it differently, right? Uh, so. Yeah, I've, I've heard that, I've heard that, that it was true, but I've also heard that it wasn't. And the distinguishing thing was that Nova in Spanish is two words where Nova. Yeah, right, exactly. So we're going to have, you know, where do you go to check those urban myths? Because right. yeah. <laughs> But there's one that came out recently um, with Zuckerberg who named Facebook Meta. Meta, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, and that is supposed to mean um, death in oh. 
Hebrew, I think it was, <laughs> in Israel. Yeah, yeah, which the irony of what it means. So, you know, I, somebody emailed me that, and I was going to go back and, and check that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, you have to do your homework, too. You've got to be careful with <laughs> Yes, yes. So it's a very good point, because I've heard about that just stopping products, you yeah. know, and then it takes a couple of years to recover from that. But speak, speaking of mistakes, naturally, you know, when you want to go into a, uh, a country, you want to do it, you know, present the product in, the, in, in their language, whether it's, you know, uh, online or, or, or print or whatever, like, you know, those, the, a lot of companies sometimes just go in English and, uh, you know, not, not uh, there's, there's countries in the world that, that English is not very well spoken. And I mean, you know, we take it for granted that is, it is the lingua frank, frank, franca of the, you know, the world, but, uh, but there are countries in the world that don't speak a lot of English. So, you know, the, the, it pays to, like you said, to, to get everything translated, to, to do everything in their language, whether it's, a, you know, uh, online or, or, or print. Um, uh, and, and also make sure that the spelling and, and you know, uh, uh, and the words, the meaning of the word is, is, is okay to use, so to speak. Like we just had those examples. Uh, so... Uh, those, you know, those are some of the major mistakes I think that a lot of companies do. They don't, you know, they have to adapt their, their product and or service to that culture. With, and that means the translation and the, and the, the verb word usage and, the, you know, and the way it's presented too. you know, for example, you know, if you're going to do a, um, a, uh, an online, uh, you know, uh, presentation in, in, in with the Arab countries, you want to do make sure that the writing is, I think they read, they write from, or they read from left to right, right? Uh, so you want to, you know, make sure all that's done, not left, right to left, like we do, or left to right, to, like we do. They, they read right to left, excuse me, left to right, or what, yeah, anyway, it's, you know. They read just, the opposite of what English yeah, reads. Right. But then sometimes with character languages, it's acceptable to put it in the English reading format, but not always, and it depends on product. So you're bringing up a very good thing is understand your well, target audience and how they expect to read it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, but uh, that's just part of it, you know. Make sure so what do you, what do you think about who does your translation? Um, well, I, I've, in the past, um, you know, I've used other, uh, well, this is with, with uh, the other companies that I, we use, but we always used an out, outdoor, you know, a third party translator such as yourself. And then after that, 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 uh, that's done from you, as once we get the product from you or the translation from you, what I would do is, is have it, uh, second I look at it, uh, the distributor or the, somebody overseas in that market look at it and say, hey, Lauren, this is good, but you should use this word instead of this word. Or, you know, sometimes there's, there's a little nuances sometimes that you may want the, uh, you know, a native person to look at it uh, after not only the translator's done it and, you, and I've looked at it, but also I, I have a third, maybe in a third eye look at it just to make sure that any small nuances, you know, are properly done you know, or just to, things that are changed that need to be changed right so and yeah. there, there, may, there may be not a lot of things but it, it you know it, it 
it just adds, make sure that it's properly done. That's all. Yeah, that is, I'm so glad I asked you that question because that's like the perfect scenario on how to get marketing material translated. You have a professional do it so you know that the grammar and the punctuation and everything like that is taken care of. And then you have internal folks review it because if there's any company culture or industry terminology, they're reviewing it and capturing it. And then you're also making sure that your distributors or your salespeople buy into it because if they don't like it, they won't use it. Right. Um, and oftentimes it's just a stylistic word here or there. Yeah. But um, have you seen problems with having your distributors or internal people do the translation or you never even gave them the opportunity? Um, oh, when, when they do it themselves? Yeah, sometimes yeah. I've seen things that, you know, the. The grammar wasn't well done, whether it's, you know, or, or maybe they, they didn't quite express the product right, uh, wasn't properly presented. Uh, yeah, there's been occasions where, you know, they needed a little bit more um, uh, uh, suggestions or, or, you know, uh, 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 what do you call it, opinion from, from, the, from corporate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to be careful, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you have to... We had a really interview earlier on the Global Marketing Show podcast with Zach Selch, who's an international salesperson. He was saying with distributors, he had seen them do translation and it was so far off that it ruined the market entry for a couple of years and they had to pull back and then retry later on. So I have heard stories like that. Yeah. Um, and it's so, it's, you know, Companies think they're saving money by doing that, but it's, you know, they don't realize the problems that they can run into. But I love how you have people review it because translation is like writing. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't just have your marketing person write it. You're going to have other people edit it. So you make sure that, that it's really clear. Right. Yeah. So um, what kind of suggestions, you know, or why should companies go global? I want to go this because you have... Well, yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, I think um, you no. Know, for one, is naturally you want to expand your revenues. Uh, uh, for example, when if when if there's a, a recession here in the U.S., you know you could you could be selling overseas and it offsets the 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 sales here in the U.S. So it gives you another uh, you know a blanket of security uh, by obtaining revenues from from overseas countries. Another way, another thing to look at is, is, is it also allows you to learn about new possible new products from, from that market or new ventures or ideas that you may get uh, by selling in that country that you can bring back to your country, to, to the U.S. or whatever. So that might be another way of, you know, it's another positive thing that comes out of that. Um, what else? Uh, uh, yeah, it's a, and also gives you a lot more uh, 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 to your competitor. It gives you a competitive advantage that you're selling overseas versus the guy that's still domestic and not has not done anything. So it gives you a leg, a leg up and also uh, bragging rights. Hey, I'm global now. I'm not just domestic. I'm global, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, but yeah, it, it does require uh, monies. It does require... Uh, uh, investment of time and uh, people and, and uh, adaptability of, of everything, right? It's, just, it's, not, uh, it's not an easy venture, but, but it's worth it because uh, I think in the long run, you know, look at all the multinationals. Those are the guys that always survive. Uh, they're always still there, you know. Uh, 
because they're they're getting revenues from different parts of the world. They're learning from getting new products from different parts of the world. Coca-Cola, you know, how many brands that it has? And, and these all have come from different countries, you know, all these different types of tastes and uh, different types of, uh, you know, uh, li uh, liquid products that they've obtained, right? Oh, it's fascinating. I assume you, I mean, you're in Atlanta, so you've been to the Coke Museum? Yeah. Yeah, and you yeah, go into the tasting floor. Can you describe that? Because I was blown away by all the different tastes. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, naturally it's, yeah. I mean, you, you don't realize how many different type of flavors and unusual type of stuff that people drink overseas. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got out of there with a, I was shaken because of the, <laughs> the sugar uh, <laughs> high that you get. But, uh, yeah, but it's an interesting uh it's just an interesting learning experience about global, you know, business and, and products and, and tastes and likes, right? So. Right, because there were some, because they sorted them by countries, and there were some countries that had very, very more, even more sweet than the United States mm -hmm. taste for soda. Right. right. And then they had some countries that would have like tamarind soda or mm -hmm. unusual flavors that you'd never see here. So that's, mm -hmm. I went around to the different countries looking for the unusual flavors that I'd never heard of before. Mm -hmm. right. But bottom line, they all had a lot of sugar. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They're still making money though. I mean, they're so, there's bottled water, you know, all these seltzer waters and all these different types of, you know, yeah. soft drinks. I mean, it's amazing how they keep growing and keep adding to their product lines. Crazy. Yeah, because they've taken on a lot of the athletic drinks, too. Right. So, yeah, replace your yeah. electrolytes. But, you know, there's a there's a company what's, that went international, and they've really met the changing, the different needs. Yeah, what's next? Are they going to give us a, a drink that will make us, give us 10 more years? You know, that will be the fountain of youth? I don't know. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how many of those drinks, how many 10 years would you add on? I'm not sure I want you really to answer that. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I don't want you throwing the question back at me. <laughs> no, well, you know, as if... I don't know if I want to live to 100, but, you know, as long as your quality of life is good, that's the important thing, but still, you know, right? That's it. Can they develop a drink that adds years and quality of life? There you go. Yeah, that's with no negative benefit, no, no negatives to it. <laughs> then I would have at least a couple or three or four. <laughs> yeah. There you go. yeah. So you, you have been able, since you were a child, to as an adult land in cultures all over the world and really be able to connect with people. Uh, you know, how do you do it? What's your secret for, for getting along with people, even if they don't share a culture and a language? Yeah. Uh, well, the important thing is to show respect to them. Uh, you know, if, for example, if you're in Russia, try to learn 10, 10, 20 words, you know, hello, the basic stuff, hello, thank you, good night, you know, just try to make an effort to learn some keywords in there because you, keywords in their language, because it shows to them that you're making an effort to learn about their culture. Uh, you know, just, just uh, be adaptable. And, and uh, I think that's, that's given me a lot of my success, you know, selling and, and also um, making new friends overseas. Um, 
yeah, just uh, being open-minded and, and uh, curious about other cultures and trying new foods and and uh, drinks and uh, doing their local things that they they do. Uh, that's you know that's the the beauty of it, is learning from that. And, and you may like some things, some things you may not like, but. You know, you learn and, and you take the good and the bad, right? But you you take the good with you. Maybe you might think take all those those things that you you liked about it and and add it to your life, right? So, have you ever felt uncomfortable in a situation or scared? Uh, well, you know, I've I've had stuff robbed in my not not robbed, but I've I've had stuff stolen in hotel rooms in Latin America. Some of my clothes. Um, uh, I've never, thankfully, thank you, God, I've never had any, any, you know, bad experiences with being held up or, uh, you know, anything like that. I, 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 I was, uh, one time I had used a credit card in Colombia and, and uh, got back to, you know, after a trip, got back and I saw $20,000 added to, to my, my uh, account. So somehow they copied my card and, and uh, you know, had a nice shopping spree when I, you know, during my my stay in Colombia. But anyway, American Express was nice enough to to, to cover all those costs. But you know, you know, there's been some 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 difficult times like that. Uh, you know, getting sick once in a while. Yeah, I had to call a couple doctors one time in hospital in, in hotels in Brazil and and uh, in uh, Guatemala. You know, when I got just because of the food I ate, I wasn't very careful. Uh, you know, there's some things that sometimes you, you know, you have some little bit of bad luck and, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, uh, just that's part of traveling and, and being exposed to foreign cultures. But thankfully, I've never had, you know, something really negative and, and just terrible that, uh, thank you, God, nothing that really, um, you know, that, uh, really affected me, so to speak. Right, right. Yeah, that's really interesting because all those things that you talked about could very easily happen no matter, you know, even if you're in your own town at home. And right. so, yeah. Um, yeah. True, true. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, just, you have to have, just be, just watch your, you know, be, be attentive and uh, be low key when you're traveling overseas. Naturally, you know, don't, you know, just be careful what you, uh, just be cautious like everywhere else when you're traveling somewhere, you know? So I'd Where's your say. favorite place to do business? Oh, uh, I mean, they've all, you know, I can say that I've enjoyed doing business with Latins and Arabs and Europeans, uh, some of the Asian countries, not a lot, but, um, you know, I love, I love, um, I just love doing business with different cultures. Um, they they all are, all of them are different uh, naturally and and uh, they all have their way of of uh, doing business and um, but I guess in in Latin America I love I love uh, the Brazilians and Chileans uh, I enjoyed doing business with them um, uh, Central America the Costa Rica Mexicans you know they're very uh, love Mexico it's a beautiful great country. Um, uh, you know, and I'm partial to Italy and southern, you know, France and southern Europe, that kind of Spain, um, just partial to those countries. It just, you know, it also depends on your, your likes and, uh, you know, your, 
Um, the Arab cultures are, you know, they're, they're very good people. They, they're very loyal, but you know, you have to, um, you have to learn about the Arab culture too. I mean, it's, it's, you know, how they conduct business and how do you, you know, um, you can't, you can't shake hands with your left because it, you know, you're not supposed to, and, and you uh, can't show them the sole of your, your foot. There's a lot of little new nuances you have to be careful in, in with the Arab world, but you know, the key is to do business, to learn about their culture and, and be respectful and, and, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, be mindful of, of how they do business. You know, so. so if you were going to a new country to do business or a new culture, how would you learn about or research that culture? Like if you're, if somebody's going to, to an yeah. area? Well, there's, there's, again, the government can, sometimes they have country briefs so you can learn about uh, through the Department of Commerce. They have different country briefs. You can actually go to a library or, or you know, or buy uh, print, printed or, or, and or online type of books on the country. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, I have a library of, of books that I have from, you know, how to do business overseas, uh, 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 you know, translation type stuff, uh, uh, just a, a library of stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've got some things there too from, you know, that's global, global related, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, One of my favorites is Kiss, Bow, or Shake Hands. I mean, that's book. a classic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very good book. I, in fact, I have that here too. <laughs> Seth, we're recording this book. on video, yeah. and he picked up his copy, and I turned around. And I have a copy right over my I got the global road road warrior. How to you know with all your travels and all that? Uh, there's just just a lot of different things that you you know, um, I you know, and they continue to publish books. I mean, there's uh, you know, people continue to write books about. You know, sales and global sales marketing, uh, import, yeah, export. Yes. And I've had people call me and say, "Hey, I'm going to business here. What do I, what do I need to do with business mm -hmm. cards and handshakes and bows and right. food and entertaining?" And so I'll do that. You know, I'll share with what I know and send them off to somebody if I, if I'm not really, a, you know, if I can't share enough with them. So sure. Uh, now, is that global marketing? Is that your first book? Have you written something previously before that? That's my first book. We also have a uh, book out called Tidbits, which takes a bunch of the funny signs from around the world and does them. And then I'm co-writing another book that'll be more like the one minute manager type book about uh -huh. uh, global communications. Oh, okay. So, Good. You know, you write one, you go, it's not so bad. I'll do another one, but you really yeah. have to have that, you know, right now I'm focused on, on just getting this book out there. So people right. know about it because we get the questions all the time and with the podcast and the book and the blog and social media, we're just trying to educate because do it, just do yeah. it. They're so, you know, so good. All right. So we're getting to the end of our time, but I got some standard questions that I love asking people. So I think, you know, the first one is what's your favorite foreign word? Uh, yeah, I thought about it the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm going to say uh, there's a f word uh, in French called bricoleur, which means collector. So it could be a, you could be a, a bricoleur of experiences, of memories, of things, of art, music. I just thought it's a pretty cool word, bricoleur. You know, I'm a collector of blah, you know, bricoleur of. Um, it's kind of an interesting word. So I, I love that. I'm a yeah. bricoleur of uh, global stories, global business stories. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> what right. are you well, a bricoleur I'm, of? 
Uh, experiences, I guess, experiences and memories, you know, I mean, that's, that's for me, that's the key in life, right? All so. right, then that's a layup for the next question. What's a memory of a um, crazy or rewarding cross-cultural experience that you've had? Wow. Um, oh, Lordy. Uh, I think just, you know, working with the Arabs, that was a very different uh, type of, you know, uh, way of doing business. It was very, you know, very different. I mean, you know, that should be everything from their food and religion. And uh, so I think that was really probably the most cross-cultural, uh, most most interesting and very unique uh, type of experience, experience that I had, uh, you know, the, with the Latins and Europeans, they're all similar right um asians you know yeah the asians are different as well um i, I haven't you take us back to a moment when you were working with the arabs where you just felt like so out of place or the food was so different or you made a mistake or there was something you laughed about um yeah just uh i don't know just the food sometimes uh you know it wasn't to my taste, I mean, for me. Um, uh, what was the food you were eating? Uh, it was, uh, um, were some kind of um, a lamb or something. I can't remember, but it was, it, it wasn't a very appetizing dish. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's. So what did you do? Did you eat it to be polite? Well, I, I tried it, but you know, it was just. I, you know, I said I could, I just couldn't, uh, you know, you, I, I don't want to be forced and then get sick or anything like that, right? Yeah. But you, have, you have to try it at least, you know, to show them the respect again. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I've never tried snake or some of these, you know, these, what these, some of these Asian people eat, you know, sometimes they, they, they'll, they'll eat anything that walks, right? Uh, no, so uh, I'm not, you know I'm I'm fairly adventurous, but not too adventurous, right? Uh, I'm not like the what's this guy uh, that does that food program that eats the bugs and uh, uh, <laughs> what I remember his name? I know who you're talking about. Yeah, the bald haired guy. Yeah, anyway, but you know, yeah. <laughs> it depends how what to what level of adventure you want to go. But no, yeah. yeah. So. See, I'm adventurous. I like eating that stuff. The oh. thing that would bother me, I think, is putting anything alive in my mouth. Oh, I might draw okay. the line there, but anything oh. else is, yeah. <laughs> well, what's the most, probably the, 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 the most uh, weirdest thing that you ate? Oh, I've had snake water, which is an alcohol, oh. and I've had, you know, s snails in China, but, you know, they're called yeah. escargot in France. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh -huh. Um, I've had, of course, venison and eel. You know, I gotta see. I'm not ready to answer the questions. I'll, I'll try anything. All right. Yeah. yeah. As long as it's not live, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Something moving in my mouth might <laughs> bother me. <laughs> All right. How about your favorite vacation? Um, I think my the favorite thing that I've ever done was. Uh, I went around the world. I had uh, with Delta, you know, frequent flyer points, and at the time, Delta was give, with 150,000 points. You can do around the world. So I took, I took, uh, I think it was two and a half, three weeks, and you know, I started in the U.S., Japan, Korea, Singapore, uh, Thailand, and then I went to uh, 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 Croatia, then 
Greece and then back to the U.S. But it, it was just one of those experiences, you know, you got to go around the world, right? It's a, it's a bucket list type of thing. So it was interesting. I enjoyed it. Uh, so you went, so you were like three days in each place. Uh, I'm sorry? You were, you stayed about three days in each place? Yeah, three or four days. Yeah, just jumped and, you know, went on and, and yeah, just uh, three, you know, about a two or three week trip. But uh, you can still do it. I don't know how many points you use it, but as long as you travel, you know, in one in direction, one direction, you can't go back, but you can go laterally, but you can't, but it's, uh, it's an interesting experience, you know, and uh, I recommend it to, if you ever, you know, if you want to do something on your bucket list to go around the world. So I've heard of people doing it. I don't think I've ever actually talked to somebody who did. So that is uh -huh. so cool. And you did it fast. I mean, when I've heard about yeah, people doing it, they take a couple months. So right. that's this amazing. Was right, this was right after uh, September 11th, you know, and so there was very little, you know, not so many people traveling like four or five months after the, you know, after that terrible uh, incident, but but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but it was an experience, you know, it's like anything else. That's, that's probably the most interesting trip I've ever done. Oh, I think that's fabulous. That's one of the most fun ones that I've heard. <laughs> Around the world so in three you, days. You need to do that. Do, do your global marketing tour. Oh, uh, I am all over that. I, I, now I just have to figure out how I'm going to work that into the schedule. <laughs> save, save your point. Save your point. Uh, yeah, I don't have any points from the last couple of years. That's a bummer. <laughs> so what final recommendations would you have for our listeners? Uh, as far as what, going overseas or just... Uh, yeah, global marketing, global I business. Think, I think, you know, just to be open-minded and, and, and give it a try. try. You know, as you mentioned, you you know, maybe one market overseas, three markets overseas, do some importing. If you want to add to your business, uh, do something different. It, 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 it adds a perspective, you know, variety and perspective and new revenues, uh, new learning ex experiences. Uh, who know, you know, it could, it could change your business, right? So. Yes. Well, this is, you have been a wealth of information. If people want to reach out to you, where should they go? Yeah, uh, well, you can, my, naturally, you can look at my LinkedIn, Laurent Call, K-A-H-L, last name. Um, my cell number here in the U.S. is 404-731-2415. And my email is first name, last name, that's Laurent, L-A-U-R-E-N-T-K-A-H-L, Laurent Call at BellSouth, B-E-L-L-S-O-U-T-H dot net. So if you'd like to reach me, if I could be of help in any way or you know, any kind of advice, let me know. And uh, thank you, Wendy. I really appreciate the time. I enjoyed our conversation. I, I learned some, some, many things from you as well today. And, and uh, I hope you do the same with me. And uh, uh, I hope, you know, wish you a lot of success with your book and your uh, talk show and, and uh, Report International. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, you were, you just had so much practical advice. And so I think if anybody's even got a glimmer of thinking about exporting or importing, you reach out to Laurent um, and, and pick his brain or ask for introductions um, through Softland Partners or his ex extensive network. I'm sure you can find a way. So uh, thank you, Laurent. I appreciate it. Okay, hasta luego. Gracias. Next <laughs> hasta luego. Adios. Muito obrigado. Gracias. Ciao. Thank you. Bye-bye. All the Ciao. best. <laughs>
that's a wrap for this session. A big thanks to you for listening to the Global Marketing Show. Hope you had just as much fun as I did. New sessions launch weekly on all places you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on our website. If you know someone interested in this topic, please tell them about us. Au revoir for now.